I can't believe you've never done that before as a podcast person. <laughs> I, I have, expected so much better from you, Paul. I have 46 episodes of a podcast, and I have never heard about a clap before. I've heard about the clap, but I've never heard about, like, you know, clapping for sound quality. I, I guess, like, I follow, like, some internet people that do, like, recording and stuff like that, and, like, I've seen them sync before like footage and audio and like stuff like that. So I guess that's, I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's just so normal to me. Yeah. Um, All right. All right. So you cried when you got a Mac. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to start off this podcast with because we have been talking now for probably 20 minutes and the entire time we've been trying to figure out how does one (laughs) even start a podcast because I don't, it's not that I'm bad with technology. I just think like learning new technology takes me a little while. So like even just setting up this, like I'm so used to using the system that we record for podcasts that like now knowing that like you're not on my system, it makes me like really insecure about (laughs) like this audio is not going to work at all. Um, And I know that that is like dramatic and doesn't make any sense. But so um, learning like the Mac I throughout quarantine has been like really fun. (laughs) But the first day that I got it, I, I, I literally (laughs) broke down into tears. Like, like, and, and the only way that I can describe it is that like, I ordered it on Best Buy. I knew I needed a laptop. It's been six years since I had a personal laptop. I've been using my work laptop for everything, and I should not. Um, Yeah. Especially, like, as someone with, like, a lot of intellectual property now. Like, I have 22,000 followers on Instagram. Like, I probably should not be using my work laptop for anything. So I bought the Mac, Mm. right? Right. So, like, I bought the Mac. I went in, it was during COVID. I had my mask on in the car. It was like early COVID. So like, you know, you didn't even want, you didn't even want to open up your window. This guy slid the, <laughs> slid the MacBook Pro like through the grate in my window. And so then I got it and I got home and I was like, I'm so excited to have the Mac. I opened it up and then I immediately started crying because there are no USB ports. <laughs> I, I specifically got the Mac to record podcasts and to like edit things with it. And like, I had just bought this expensive microphone and I was like, where are the USB ports? And Jack was like, you didn't know that they didn't have them. I was like, no, I was like, this isn't even a laptop. It's just a tablet with a keyboard. And I just like completely lost my mind. So even sitting down to record this podcast with you, I'm like a little nervous that just everything is going to go wrong with our sound quality. So um, I'll I'll never forget. I went to record a podcast. I brought my whole setup, audio interface, microphones, everything that I needed, and my MacBook to my friend's house to set up. And I'm setting everything up. I'm like putting the boom arms on her table, getting the windscreens, like all that, like getting everything done. And then like I get it all done, and I'm like, I forgot the USB to USB C. converter that i spent ten dollars on so i could actually plug this shit in and she was like are you kidding me and i'm like i guess we're recording on my phone like with my app which it was awful i don't know i have released i have released podcasts with just recording sometimes that sounds better than this microphone that i'm using right now so whatever works i i feel that podcasting is often like politics you like 
prepare and you start doing everything you think that you're doing everything right you think that it's going to be amazing you start like going off and you're like we can flip the senate we could keep the house we could get the white house and then like you know you start recording your episode and then you realize it's like a total train wreck much like this one's probably <laughs> going to be and then all of a sudden you realize like how no matter how much money you raised it really didn't matter <laughs> at all at all no matter how many listens <laughs> listeners you have it's just people downloading it to be nice and <laughs> It just, the whole thing is a sham at the end of it all. Um, and I say that not as a Donald Trump supporter. I don't believe that this election is a sham. Um, but uh, just, I think it's an interesting correlation between the expectations for how good a podcast is going to be is similar to how my expectations for how good the 2020 election was going to be. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't, why don't we get into it then? Hey everyone, welcome to the Hop Topic Podcast, the show where two friends gather around... This time it's FaceTime. Wait, we're not friends. Oh. <laughs> I I feel like That's I need... That's the first time anyone has ever, like, negged me that hard in the beginning of a show. I just feel wow. like... Wow. I feel like, like, I don't want to put that out there. Like, <laughs> like I am very... Um, I, 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 I have like a high tolerance or no high tolerance. What am I even trying to say? I was trying to be yeah, shady. What are you doing? I, Joe, you're my friend. I haven't <laughs> even finished my intro yet. <laughs> I've never been a guest on a podcast. I've only hosted one. This is only going to end up in pure disaster. I am your, <laughs> I am your friend. Please continue your intro. <laughs> We're, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, the show. Welcome to Hop Topic, the show where two friends gather around FaceTime and some microphones, crack open a six-pack, this time a four-pack, and talk specifically this week about politics. Uh, That's right. Uh, We usually don't talk too many politics on this show, but we just had, I don't know if you've heard about it, an election this past week. I I didn't, I don't vote. (laughs) So uh, I am drinking today, uh, thanks to my guest, Paul. Uh, I like that you wave to the camera, even though this is not a video recording. I'm, Everyone always does that. I'm so used to being on Instagram Live at this point. <laughs> I, I just assume there's like 50 people watching right now. I do not promote this podcast on my personal Instagram because I have family on my personal Instagram and they do not need to know that this podcast exists. Especially <laughs> not this episode, I'm sure. So, but what are you drinking? No, there are, wor- there are definitely worse episodes than this. Uh, I'll, there are no rules on this podcast. If someone wants to have something cut, I let them cut. I have never cut anything that I have said. And like the early episodes... And some of the later episodes always devolve into porn. I don't know why. I don't know how. But we always end up talking about porn. And I do not need my family to hear that. (laughs) I mean, it's like impossible not to look at Joe Biden. Just think of sex, right? (laughs) I I mean, what's going on in those 77-year-old balls? Like, I'm interested. I mean, does he sit on them every time he sits down? Like... Like I'm, I, I know that people need like lifts when they get older, but that guy must use a rubber band that goes around his neck. Like, uh, one, the balls, <laughs> the balls on somebody to run 
for president at 77 years old. They must. He's going to be 81 when he goes out of office. Do we? I'm sorry. Kamala Harris is going to finish <laughs> yes. the office with it. I know that this is like a tired joke at this point, but do we really think he's going to make it four years? No. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I didn't. I wouldn't expect that. I mean, the job is incredibly stressful. Um, I believe that. You see, like, the before and after photos are insane on any president. Like, it's like one of those, like, things you see the joke all the time. Like, whoever wants to run for president is unfit to be president because they see what the job entails. And that enough is grounds that they should not do it a hundred percent. And I didn't, I don't look at him and I see a weak person. I don't see a weak candidate. I see an older candidate and an old guy. And I know that older people die. And so (laughs) to me, I'm like, historically, historically, I mean, (laughs) if we were to look back through history, most old people die, Joe. And to me, actually the, the farther you back, the younger they are. So True. You know, that was a little (laughs) catch-22 for me. I don't really know what you just said, but I'm going to agree because you said it pretty convincingly. But um, yeah, you're right. That's politics, baby. That's politics. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You made no sense, but I agree. Um, That's exactly where we are right now, actually, as we are counting (laughs) counting the ballots. But you're right. It's like, I mean, we could look at either party. We could look at the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Both of the people were going to be sworn in as the oldest president ever. And oh so, God. like, it, 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 I just, to me, I'm like, I, I don't look at it as like, Joe Biden is weak and feeble. I think that's incredibly ageist. I'm just looking at the practicality of this is like, there is a high likelihood that Joe Biden could not deal with the stress of the job, like physically as an older person, not mentally. I think he seems incredibly mentally there. Um I think he seems like an extremely hard worker with like big ambition. Um, but I mean, just the fact of life sometimes takes over, right? Like, and and I think that that's okay. That's why you pick someone younger on your ticket, and then you pick somebody who's ap- actually representative of your electorate, and that person is Kamala Harris. So I'm here for not, it. Not to mention like what he's inheriting too. It's not like he's inheriting a not stressful America right now. <laughs> yeah. he, it's only his what um, third health crisis since he's been uh, in the vice presidency or presidency he had h1n1 he had ebola and now he has covid which is the worst one so you know prospects for him surviving not looking great but i don't attribute that to anything that has to do with him his awareness or his drive just literally his age old people die that's <laughs> that's just how it works and one that, thing i will say i would say that's the end of the episode <laughs> that's it we're done <laughs> thank you guys for listening uh no what's actually funny i didn't tell you this before we recorded but this is my f- appropriately the 46th episode of my podcast wait so is the one that i just released for let's unpack that that was that's our, insane that was our 46 too this is so funny yeah so 46th president 46 episodes of podcasts each mm-hmm. uh joe apropos. biden is 92 years old yeah so <laughs> It's exactly where we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I said, this is uh, buckle in, folks. This is going to be a very politics-driven episode, uh, a two-person episode uh, with, uh, like I said, intro- I don't know if I even formally introduced you uh, twelve minutes into the show, uh, but uh, with my friend Paul. Yeah, but they uh, they they know me. They know me. They, I don't think they know you. <laughs> Are you telling I don't me think that they know you at all? Are you telling me that I barely know you? Are you telling me that not everyone knows about my Instagram account? Are you telling uh, me I'm, I'm not I'm a- telling you that I don't share my my podcast with people? So no, 
<laughs> the people who are listening to this podcast do not know your Instagram account unless they are the ones from you sharing this podcast on your Instagram account. <laughs> True. Then they know. Which if you are coming from Paul's Instagram account, thank you for listening. <laughs> please, please don't subscribe. Please don't share. I don't want my mother to hear this. <laughs> please, please. So, well, my mom, I, we were talking about technology earlier. I spent, I'm not even joking, 30 minutes on the phone with my mom trying to explain to her how to copy and paste something. So <laughs> I don't really have a worry about her. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get into it, uh, I, I reached out to you. One, well, first, I'm going to crack open this beer and give it a try. Oh, me too. Yeah. I have not had this yet. It <gasps> is <gasps> the juice. Yes. It's everywhere. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Hang on, I can clean it up. I have a couple wigs. I think but... that's a first. I don't think I've ever had a really? bills, uh, a beer spilled. <laughs> Man. This is All right, so you might actually help me with this cuz I don't know what this terminology terminology means. This is I voted today DDH American Pale Ale. What the fuck does DDH mean? Dude, I don't even know, and I'm not I... even sure I like the beer. I'm sure I won't. Like, it's... Oh, my God, it's horrible. I think it tastes horrible, yeah. and I had it the it's, other night. It's so bad. It <laughs> it it tastes like dried leaves. Like... Yeah. It, like all IPAs. IPAs are trash. I... But you know that I disagree with that. Oh, my God. I know God. you do, but I feel it so much. But you, fuck my feelings. Um, yeah, I know. 2020 said that. So, I, like, to me, th this beer, it's DDH, and I don't know if that is some type of, like, collaboration, or if that means, like, downward dog. Hold on. Maybe it's an herbicide? Yeah, I don't really know. I, I think <laughs> it is literally, I think this was made by the makers of Monsanto. Um, and if you don't know what... this can is hyper-fresh, unfiltered, and fragile. Just like my emotions. Mm. <laughs> just like this election you know what i'm frustrated by so it's made by tired hands right which is an ardmore that's one that's enough of a reason to be frustrated honestly i like their beer my issue is that they created an i voted today beer mm -hmm. and they released it on election day but on the can it says please vote so what <laughs> what was your goal so <laughs> I got this at Root Down Brewing in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And so it's, a, but it's a collaboration with Tired Hands, which is, you know, 30 minutes away in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. But they did. where I went to buy it today. Exactly. An $18 four pack for dried leaves. And here's the thing is like, <laughs> is that it says in here, please vote. But they released it on election day and they don't open till 4 p.m. So. <laughs> The polls closed at seven, so you had to uh, you had to logically try to get to the polls, also get your beer. You had to be encouraged to vote and also celebrate that you had to vote because it says "I voted today" on it. Oh, yours looks so much better than mine. That's horseshit. Wait, really? Mine's just fucking white. Oh, they <laughs> ran low on ink. Damn. Yeah. Mm. Well, when I when I looked it up, what they actually did it was it was actually pretty cool. I hate Tired Hands because I think they are crazy pretentious. All of their beer is like this ridiculous shit for no reason, 
And they're so like, we don't distribute. If we give you a keg, you better fucking thank us on your knees for it. They really are. Like, like any restaurant will tell you. And they're so coveted that like they can be that way. Really? Um, so I generally hate them just as like a concept. But uh, th- this was pretty cool because they put the recipe online. You can go to uh, you can go to ivotedtodaybeer.com or whatever the the, lo- the thing is. Get the recipe for this beer, and they did that so they gave it to a bunch of breweries throughout the country so they could all release it. Is that what they did with the Black Lives Matter beer, the Black is Beautiful beer? I th- it sounds like it is because I've seen a million different Black is Beautiful all over the place. I saw it all the way up in Maine. You know, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I guess maybe they tried to release it and then Root Down just couldn't crank it out. But it clearly to me tastes like a beer. Well, that- I mean, I think they did. I think Root Down made their own. That's why your label is different than my label. Right, right. Oh, yeah, because it has Root Down on it. I didn't realize that that's what it was. But it says yeah, it- mine specifically says tired hands on it. Yeah, I find it so interesting, like this idea of like recipe sharing and, and beer sharing, um, because to me, it, it does what I don't like about communism. Um, socialism um but no to, to me to me uh, uh just so to be clear i voted for elizabeth warren in the primaries um and but um so to to me what i what i love about the um craft beer industry is that you go to all these different breweries and you get a unique beer like they made it there themselves it's a homemade recipe this is just pure copycatting what how is this any yeah. different than budweiser well it is well i it's one it's well it's dried leaves and budweiser is piss uh so So. (laughs) there's a little bit of a difference there that's Uh, that's also what we would call the electoral college (laughs) (laughs) no um i i mean i don't i have a lot of issues with uh craft beer coming from someone who worked in that industry only because it is very much a cannibalistic industry uh and it's from a from a distribution distribution standpoint, it's near impossible, uh, and uh, and I feel like small craft breweries like Tired Hands, like I assume Root Down, because I assume Root Down does not have a lot of if any distribution. Um, it's just really frustrating because like there are times where like you'll go to a brewery or a brew house or even a like in Phoenixville, there are so many bars near there and so many very small breweries that like stable, what is it? Stable 12 or something. Yeah. They can just go, all right, uh, we'll sell a six to to um, Maggie, Maggie Mays or Maggie's pub, whatever's the one down the street. Yeah. And, and they can go cool. And then you go there and you're like, I really want this beer. Where can I find it? I'm just visiting from out of town or I'm not even that I'm visiting from media, which is where I'm located for all the stalkers out there. Um, And I can't find it at any beer store near me because it's so limited run. And that's the same thing with, with any crafts. Like, even if it's not like, even if they are distributed, like it's just so hard to find beers that you like. And when you find one that you like, good luck finding it to consume at home because you're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's so difficult to do that. Um, Number one, you said something interesting. You said um, for the stalkers out there, uh, I believe everyone who listens to this is your friend. So um, no, that's not true. Oh, are, do you have fans? (laughs) This is, this is going to be a little weird. We might have to Um, cut this part out. No, that's fine. Uh, I actually, I talked to someone who is a friend of a friend who listens, 
who started listening only because his friend was on the show and then listened to a couple of the other episodes without him. And I was talking with him because we're trying to do a third podcast because I have no uh, bearing on my free time. And we're talking about it. He goes, yeah, I listened to I listened to Hop Topic a little bit. And I'm like, dude, that's incredible. Like, thank you so much. I appreciate the support, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and then it started to dawn on me. I'm like, you probably know me way more than I know you. Like, you know a lot about me, and I know nothing about you. And that scared me. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is definitely something that I feel we can talk about and relate to politics because we know that, like, Donald Trump is actively spying on us, and he knows everything about us. But we also know everything about him, but we don't know yeah. everything about the people in his cabinet. Um, but to your point, you know, relating it back to the actual conversation, not the topic of the podcast, because who would do that? Um, <laughs> I agree. It is so weird to put yourself out on the Internet or um, in any public space um, where you are sharing more than other people are sharing about themselves to you. like. Um, I've posted a lot of really personal things on my Instagram. Like um, I'm very transparent about like my struggles with anxiety and depression um, and my like fear of politics um, and my failures, you know, as, as a human. Um, and, and that is really interesting. But then you think about like how easily humans sometimes like weaponize things again, against each other. And it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, I actually am kind of vulnerable. I know I pretend that I'm not. And I like cover things with being self-deprecating, but like we are letting people into our lives with this podcast. And if you made it 21 minutes in, you are, this is riveting conversation. <laughs> so I recorded an episode the other day. Uh, I'm trying to like, I went like two weeks without getting one. Cause I just didn't have anyone. Like I needed a break. And, and now I'm just like batch recording a bunch. And I recorded one the other day where we literally talk, I talked about I talked about my bedding for like a solid 15 minutes. I was like, I bought a new duvet cover. I bought like all this stuff, not to ruin that sultry episode coming out. But but it's just like I mean, it's just this this podcast in particular, like there's a reason I don't promote it, is because yeah, I don't need someone finding all this stuff out about me and then using it as a weapon. I'm very open. If anyone asks me literally anything, I will tell you anything you want to know, regardless of even how well I know you. I don't care. Um, Same. But when someone like tries to use that against me, I do not like it. I do not care for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Somebody in my life recently told me that I am the least inclusive person that they've ever met, despite who I pretend to be. And I just said to them, wow, you know, you started this conversation by saying you love me. And uh, now look at where we are. <laughs> you are saying to me the exact opposite of that is that you have this idea of me as somebody who's not inclusive, loving or understanding. And I just think I'm like, wow, like I put so much of myself out there on the Internet and still somebody could have this this judgment about me that I, mm -hmm. I find to be incredibly untrue. No, I'm not inclusive of Republicans who hate me. I'm inclusive of Republicans, though, you know, who like don't hate well, me. Well that's the that's the thing like um that's the uh i was gonna share this with you because we were talking about it the other day but it's like the the what is it the paradox of intolerance nah. um, like you uh you can't tolerate like the paradox of tolerating intolerance like once you start to tolerate intolerance it i don't i can't explain it very well but I'll definitely look it up if you haven't it's really interesting but it explains like why like let being okay with and letting like Nazis run around and say, well, they have free speech, so we have to let them go. Like that whole thing, why that's like, I hate to use the term slippery slope, but that's like kind of what it is. 
Um, and then I saw another great post recently about like, think about uh, why hiring a hitman is illegal. You are just speaking, which is illegal. You're telling someone something. You're paying someone to. You're paying someone. That's uh, for that's a service. Legal. For a service that's legal. You didn't kill anyone. You didn't do anything. Why is hiring a hitman illegal? And then they follow by it's almost like inciting violence and causing harm to another person is illegal. That's the illegality of it. So, hmm. being a Nazi inciting genocide and stuff, not legal. <laughs> should not be legal. Should not be covered under free speech. So, is that what you wanted to talk about in the future of the Republican Party? <laughs> <laughs> Similar, but no. <laughs> Sorry. So, I, I came to you the other day because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, we are recording this on Friday, November 6th. Sorry to peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh, so, Technically, the election has not been called, but it is all but wrapped up as for Joe Biden to become the 46th president of the United States. Um, two claps. Two clap. Um, but so it's, 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 it's really interesting to me, and I'm curious where the Republican Party is going to go from here. Because I feel like not only did Trump raise the ground of this party— stir up the entire base of this party and divide it even the base really because there is now a base of republicans that are half just trump crazy not i don't want to say yeah fuck it trump crazy trump crazy that like will do anything this man says does not give a shit what he does and then there are republicans that are like i mean i don't want to leave the party I am a Republican at heart. I don't believe everything with Trump. I'm not going to go around to rallies. I'm not going to put a fucking flag on the back of my pickup that has testicles hanging from it. Like, I'm not going to do any of that, but like, I'm voting for him because he's in my party and, and he might not be what my party is, but the part, like the party itself, hopefully my, my local government and everything will, will blah, blah, blah. Or they justify it however they can. Yeah. Party, but they're not. Party party over the personality of the candidate right? yeah they're not and they're not like they're not crazy and and i i'm i'm as some people who as someone who knows some people that vote trump stuff like that i'm sure that those people exist and but that but that is a, a clear divide now in the party um and trump is such a unique and interesting i'll use interesting for lack of a better word uh politician because he does have this base now, unlike anything an, another Republican Party member has ever had. No, Bush did not have people drive, driving trucks around, rallying people, uh, screaming like his name. Like he, he's a celebrity. Pre like he is. Like we say, Barack Obama's. A, we say Reagan's a celebrity. Like he or Nixon. It's Nixon is a celebrity president. I think. Um, well, Reagan is too for Reagan, a, a, Reagan. a different reason, but Nixon, <laughs> yes, yeah. But Reagan. but he is he has redefined the term celebrity president, and yeah. and I'm just really curious. One, we, I think you mentioned this the other day. He can run again in 2024, right? Because he didn't get a second term. Hundred percent. If he's not in jail, he he can he can run again in 2024, um, which is a scary thought. So I'm going to push that to the back of my head. But say he doesn't. Say he, he leaves the country or does something to extradite himself or back away. Like he said he would, but he definitely won't. Um, what does the Republican Party do now? Because they, don't, they no longer have someone who will go to the ends of the earth to die for their party. Who in, the right, in their right mind is going to 
pick up the pieces of the Republican Party and go vote for me in 2024. Like who who do you think they are going to look towards and who do you think where do you think it's basically that's it just where do you think it's going to go from here? Yeah, honestly, so that is a fantastic question. Um and I think that uh the media does this after every single time a party loses an election or loses the House or Senate badly. You know, it's what's the future of this party? And the interesting thing about this election is that you have the media saying this and the party officials saying this on both sides. What is the future of our party? Because you have the never-Trumpers, you have the Lincoln Project, you have Republican voters against Trump, you have all these people who just thought, I cannot vote for this guy again. He's disrespectful. I, I may like what he does for the economy and what he does for my checkbook, but I find him disrespectful. And and that is a really important tenant for a lot of Republicans, especially a lot of Republicans of faith. Um, and I know that that's not the Republicans of faith that we see in the news, but you know, as somebody who is kind of surrounded by a lot of Republicans of faith, that is their thing. He's disrespectful. I can't vote for him. Or he's disrespectful, but I can't vote for somebody who is uh, pro-choice, you know, so those are some of the Republicans that I see. So you sort of have this like interesting thing happening on both sides right now where Republicans are questioning who they need to be moving forward. And then Democrats are questioning who they need to be moving forward because Republicans will not win the white house. I am very confident of that at this moment in time. Um, some outlets have called the race already, and we may know while we're recording this podcast that the race is called. We may find that out literally live right now. Um, but you have this interesting thing happening on the, on the Democratic Party, too, which is they are saying we had this huge opportunity to take back control of the Senate. We had this huge opportunity to do a lot of stuff on climate change. We had this huge opportunity to pass laws around voting rights um, that Republicans largely have gutted and gutted in 2013. So this is happening on both sides of the aisle. So on the Republican side, I look back at the Republican National Convention, the RNC, and who were those speakers that were moderate? Who were those speakers who appeared tame? Who were those speakers that appeared to be people who can play in the middle? That is Nikki Haley. That is Tim Scott. That is the people that they tout with the people that everyone forgets. <laughs> the, 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 the people that the Trump people absolutely forget and leave behind. Um, those are those people who are like centrist republicans um i i say they're kind of no backbone republicans um mitt romney i feel the same way although mitt oh romney's a, mitt romney's a little bit more outspoken than somebody like nikki haley and somebody like you know um tim scott so i, look I feel so like betrayed like tricked by mick mitt romney like i feel like i fell for something i feel like he was a secret agent which makes him sound much cooler than he is uh and and disappointed in that because I, I really like i i fell for it hook line and sinker that he was he was like look i at least i thought he was like the bernie sanders of republicans where he's like look i stand for something 
I believe something, and if if someone even in my party is going against me, I'm going to stand up for what I believe. Because I have and conviction. Then the, I... And then the second, the second he could give up on that, he did. Nope. And Susan Collins is the same way. Lisa mm-hmm. Murkowski is the same way. Martha McSally is the same way. But Susan Collins got reelected in Maine, so I, that's we, so nuts to me. It makes yeah. no sense. So we have to yeah. look at ourselves by a lot. It wasn't even a close. It wasn't even close, and that race stings my whole heart. Um, mm-hmm. But so when I think about the future of this party, I have to think about how we elect presidents, and Republicans could easily find themselves in four years nominating another Donald Trump, even though the majority of people don't want to, because in the primary process, there is no rank choice voting. It is winner take all in almost every single state on every single ballot. So Donald Trump, 5% of Americans voted for Donald Trump in the Republican national primary, but somehow he went on to become president of the United States. And that is terrifying when you think about that sort of like, inequality that yeah. that the majority of republican voters did not want donald trump yet at the end of the primary process because people can only choose one person this is what they ended up with and a lot of people say the same thing about what happened on the democratic side i was gonna say so, that's exactly what happened with hillary right and it happened with hillary but even this primary cycle with yeah. with uh, people kept saying are Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders eating each other's support, you know, um, mm-hmm. and are, are Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden eating each other's support? Like there, there's this dynamic in the way that we elect candidates, not that we, that we elect elect people for president necessarily. That's a whole different mm-hmm. podcast. But I don't know how to answer your question fully because it depends if they change the system, if they try to change the system, if they allow ranked choice voting. I think there's no chance we see another candidate like Trump again in the Republican Party. Mm. But but if Republicans truly believe that he has the best chance of winning and we go back to winner take all, there will yeah. probably be more than 5% of people in the country voting for him this time than there were before because they saw him win. They know that he can yeah. rally people. And to them, winning is often, especially to Donald Trump, winning is often more important than like the actual integrity of the electoral process by finding somebody that is the common ground candidate. And honestly, it feels, and, and this, and I I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like the, the reason I asked this question and we're going to do Democrats next is our next topic. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and just bash Republicans for 30, 30 minutes. I'll sit here and bash Trump for 30 minutes happily, but not, but, but like, it's interesting because it doesn't feel like, the, the Republicans or Democrats, for in a lot of cases, uh, care who the nominee is. They don't care who the president ends up becoming, as long as that president is blue or red. Like that is the only thing they care. Like I feel like Mitch and a lot of the higher up Republicans in uh, in the cabinet, in the White House, in the Supreme Court, Senate, all that stuff, they do not care who is sitting in the Oval Office, as long as that person is on their team quote-unquote right because you feel that person is mostly representative of your beliefs mm-hmm. and that's more important than having somebody on the other side that's scary mm-hmm. that's scary yeah 
And I agree. Like, I, that's why I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily in the camp of, you know, bashing every Republican who voted for Donald Trump. Um, I do believe that um, it is disappointing, um, mm-hmm. especially after all of the social unrest this summer, um, for us to have this opportunity to learn and listen to minority communities and choose to vote in another way. Um, and I know that, that that could be tough for some Republicans to hear. What I'm saying is that I, I'm, I'm not calling you racist, but I'm saying I, I think that let's talk a little bit more about race. Let's make sure we are yeah. listening to people of color um, and, and because I think that that will, will help you understand where they where they sit. And, and that mm-hmm. is another thing, right, about this Republican Party is like, like you have a lot of people who just are really scared of what it means to be a minority because yeah. they've never been a minority before. And I get that fear because you see how hard it is for minorities, but you yeah. don't vote for those minorities to make it a little bit easier. We basically have a bunch of white people saying, and I know that the, the Republican party is not a monolith, but you have a lot of white people looking at what a bunch of people of color are, are saying and voting and saying, you know what? I know what's best for them anyway. And what's Mm -hmm. best for them is what's best for me. When you've never stood in their shoes, that's a really difficult thing to say. So I'm I'm the same as you. I I don't want to alienate Republicans. I do believe that we only won this election because Joe Biden did a good job of pulling Republicans in. Um, But, you know, that that's a whole nother conversation, too. But um, and and, and we still don't know so much, too. So enjoy our punditry right while we're talking. But um, (laughs) that's one of those things that's really scary is that we had this summer of covid. We had this summer of of healthcare inequality. We had this, um, you know, summer of uh, very clear stories about police inequality. And we had a lot of a lot of people say, you know what, that's just not that important to me or I don't think it's as important as what other people are saying. That's scary. And that determines the future of a lot of the Republican Party, I think. Yeah, like I I, I was saying this last night because I was talking to a friend about like being disappointed about like the turnout and like everything. And and I I mentioned like I don't want to repeat everything I said last night to you because you already heard it, but uh, other people haven't. That's what we're here for. But I, I was I was saying to my friend, I'm like, wow, like Bernie Sanders would have gotten absolutely destroyed if he had won the primary. Like we would have had four more years of Trump. And my friend said, I don't understand why you say that. And I was like, well, look at it. Like Bernie Sanders isn't very popular. He's he's slapped with the label of socialist, which is like like kryptonite for for um for a politician at this point. Uh, as we'll probably get into later. Yeah. But so I was like, I was like, I can't imagine he would have done better than Biden. And my friend said, well, look at all the all the policies that passed. Look at Florida. Florida voted more for $15 minimum wage, which is something Bernie has been touting for so long that uh, more than they did for Trump. Uh, we have four new states with legalized marijuana. We have Oregon just letting you do whatever the hell you want. Um, <laughs> into that, into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. No, it's awesome. And then not to mention like all this other legislature that's coming out that is ridiculously progressive policies. And, and it's really interesting to me to see that the, the people are like, that it seems like people are skewed towards it. The the election broke down to what Biden a platform Biden felt like he was running on for more or less was a vote me not Trump was the was half of the election and then the other one was don't be racist vote for me if you vote for Trump if you like Trump is racism I am not racism so who do you want to vote for I'm I'm racism light. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, and and that's the thing that I think is so interesting too is no one no one wants to be called racist. And when and when you call someone racist, they're not going to be like if if you get called racist, you're not going to go, "Huh, let me let me think about that. Was I being racist? Should I change?" No, they're going to be like, "No, I wasn't." No, no. And they're just going to immediately try to like wave that off. No, no one wants to be racist. No one wants to be called on racism. It, it, it it's it's not fun to do. It's hard like this this summer for me specifically has been a lot of like is that thing that I say or do or think sometimes racist? Like and like actually challenging that. And like I I actually to be very blunt, I had a I had a, a couple of friends over the other day. And um, one of my friends uh, is a, a black woman, and she mentioned, like, how hard it was to get over the fact that white guys would say they're not attracted to black women and how that would affect her mentally and feel about herself. And I was like, I've been saying that for a while. And I never real I, I never realized that it was bad until she said that, and it, it just, like, washed over me, and I'm like... That's insane. Like that's something I just never thought about, never considered. And if someone had told me, and I, I believe someone has, I believe when I've said, yeah, I, I don't find, I don't find black women attractive. Someone has said, dude, that's that's pretty racist. I was like, no, it's not. No, 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 no. And I like tried to like justify like every it's, form it's of it. Just a, it's just a personal preference. I'm sure is what you yeah, said. That's it's exactly what I would say. I would just say, yeah, it's just a per. I don't. I like redheads more than anyone else. So that's a per. Is that hair? Like I would make all of these excuses, and that's exactly what this election like. Trump like like when you call someone racist about police brutality or anything like that they're going to come up with deflections and they're not going to critically think that there are there's just other ways you have to go about it and that's the thing with with Biden is saying like hey don't don't be racist vote for me people are going to go well I'm not racist regardless of who I vote for so no fuck you I'm going to vote for Trump anyway right yeah and you know what I think you said is so interesting is that you said you know your your friend said that this week and you are somebody who I know personally has been reflecting all summer somebody who's been trying to learn all summer and you're just learning that now and I, I don't say that to criticize you I say that to like recognize that 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 being anti-racist is a journey of self-discovery. I mean, it is a journey that people have to take on their own. So for for mm-hmm. for us to be anti-racist, to reflect on our racism, you know, to to proudly admit I'm a racist, but I'm trying to be better um, yeah. is something that I think a lot of people still need to come to terms with. And and I think that that is on us as as white men, uh, regardless of our orientation, to challenge, you know, other white men to do the same. And and, you know, for me, it's it's the same way when I think about, you know, Nikki Haley's speech at the you know Democratic National Convention. One of the things she said was right now in the Democratic Party, it is popular. It is a popular belief to say that is that America is a racist country. And she's here to tell you that that's not true because she's the daughter of an immigrant and she's the daughter of an immigrant and she has moved on and moved forward. And, 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 and I think that that is palatable, right, for, for a lot of people. But when you think about your own behaviors, when I think about myself as a Mitt Romney voter and then a Hillary Clinton voter four years later, and then the strongest possible Joe Biden voter I possibly could be, um, I thought a lot about my racism. I thought a lot about, you know, the the behaviors in my own mind, the things that I think, the the things in my mind that are learned behaviors. Who taught me that when I see 
an Asian person driving a car that I should think they can't drive. Who taught me that I, when I see a black person kind of like walking a little bit oddly towards me or just walking towards me at night that I should be scared? Who taught me that, you know, it was impossible to kiss black men um, because they have bigger lips. Like who, who taught me all of these things? Um, You know, who taught me that, that, that Indian people have a different smell. You know, these are all like things that are, that are racist thoughts that run through my brain that I literally have to think about and say, no, Paul, I don't know where you got that from. That is racist. And you need to make sure that you are a kind and compassionate human being. And we can blame Hollywood for that. We can blame our parents for that. We can blame our education system for that. And then we, as adults, we can blame ourselves for that too. And I think that 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 is the frustrating part that that I think as white people, maybe we can try to be a little bit of a bridge from our friends of color who are saying, you voted for Trump. You are so obviously racist for us to help that conversation and blend that conversation to say, yeah, that you did vote for somebody who had racist beliefs. You did vote for somebody who stands by racist policies, you know, but you ha- you also voted for somebody who claims that he's not racist. So it's so yeah. easy for white people to claim that they are one thing or another. Like it's to say, I'm not racist. Almost I'm as a- easy as claiming a state. <laughs> All you have to do is just tweet about it and then it's true. Yeah. But you're, you're exactly right, Joe. Like that, like that's how easy it is. Like th- every time I post about the fact that I am scared for a Donald Trump re-election because I'm a queer man, albeit a white queer man who is in a high income bracket with a fuck ton of privilege. Like every time I post that, I have people say, Donald Trump is the first president to proudly endorse endorse queer marriage upon entry in the White House. And I said, dear God, you know, like that is Look back at where we were in 2008 when Barack Obama joined the White House. Do you think that a bunch of Democrats and a bunch of Republicans would have voted for Barack Obama if he was a young, attractive black man who believed that gay people could get married and that black people should have equal equal rights? I don't think so, because America was not ready at that point to endorse that. It's it's so funny because I, I just re well, it's not funny, but I just rewatched uh, How I Met Your Mother and like I love going back and rewatching like these are shows that I grew up with that are in that exact time frame, and like I was like, well, t- how much it can't be that bad. Like they did have like they did have like references to like pro like gay stuff like that, except for Neil Patrick Harris being an absolute monster. But Neil Patrick Harris was in the show and he was openly out and everything. So I'm like this show's not that bad. And the number of like transphobic jokes that are in that show, like. I'm not one to believe that just be, like you should go back in time and cancel things that have happened in a different period. I don't believe I that think at you all. Should re- I think you should reflect on them, why they're different, and and think about how great it is that we have moved on and changed. I think that's a very important thing. But it was just so weird. Like it was so weird that like like I would see that and like he would make a joke of like Barney. There's a bunch of uh, models downstairs and one transvestite. You want to play who's hot and who's Scott? And me go. And me and hear a laugh track in the back and go, that's, that's not funny, no, no, and think like that joke would never fly today. And like that's not the only one. Like there were multiple jokes like that throughout the nine seasons of that show, and I lost my train of thought. 
Well, I was going to say, to bring you back to your point of to your point of thought, it, it's talking about the Republican Party and cancel culture, right? Like yeah. they, they, they champion the ending of cancel culture because they are so scared of being called transphobic. When yeah. I think if you actually listen to trans activists or you listen to queer activists or uh, excuse me, uh, you don't have to, a lot on you don't show. have to cut that out. But, um, <laughs> so, but when you listen to black activists, they say, we don't want to cancel those shows. We don't need to change the name of the Dixie chicks. We don't need to, you know, go back and edit out every joke that was inoffensive. What we need to do is educate people and then yeah. tell them why those jokes are wrong and let Americans see those jokes and recognize that they are inappropriate. Now, should we make them moving forward? forward no unless it is a comedy show where that is like totally appropriate because i still believe we have to laugh at so much especially you know queer comedians should be able to poke fun at queer culture but you know that's and that's the thing is the it it, the the joke is like the ratio of how funny the joke is versus how offensive it's allowed to be like that's that's a thing with like a lot of comedy where like and i got in this conversation with my friends where they were like all right well you can I'm not saying they're not saying you can just go and be racist as long as it's funny. But like if you're telling a joke, that's like a joke that's very one clearly a joke and the comedy is there. You're not just saying a stupid thing like to to belittle a group or something like that. Like then then it's it's acceptable. Right. And I think that as Democrats, um, we need to figure out how to reach out to those Republicans, because I think that, you know, even some of my Republican friends and my progressive friends, they are so scared of feeling like they can't say anything. They feel my like mom says that all the time. Yeah. Like they feel that if if if, you know, they say, I'm not sure I agree with abolishing the police, that they will be canceled. And I'm like, Okay, number one, the fear of cancel culture is is stronger than the impact of cancel culture. Um, who has who has actually been canceled besides Harvey Weinstein um, and hopefully Donald Trump? Um, but like Lindsey Graham just won re-election. You know, like nobody's being canceled here. Okay, like but people are speaking up, and I think that that that's the really important thing is that as Democrats, especially as I would say, somebody I'm probably yeah I'm progressive on a lot of issues, but I would say like I'm mostly like center left as a Democrat. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that I buy that, you know, we have to always have progressive policies, that we always have to have progressive candidates. I'm not sure I'm there yet. Again, I have to do a lot more reading, I would say, before I can say that confidently on a, in an area where I'm being recorded. Um, but, you know, <laughs> to, to me, like, like as the white people in the room, if we are the central people in the room, the centrist people in the room, we have to be able to find a way to talk to some of those moderate Republicans, the people that are unhappy with Trump, but scared of socialism and cancel culture and just say, Hey, we're not trying to cancel you. You know, we are all here to learn. We are just doing the same thing. I'm openly admitting on a podcast that I am racist, but I am also openly admitting that I'm trying to be better. And I think that if if Republicans can hear that message, then they will come to our side. And I think that that makes their future elections very difficult. But when you have Fox News, one of the most watched channels in America, pumping out anti-cancel culture stuff, pumping out America's not racist, pumping out all of these stereotypes that play into these people's beliefs, then of course not. You're going to believe violence and looting works. You're going to believe this election was stolen. You're going to believe that cancel culture is this like incredible force that is destroying America when it has literally destroyed no one but Harvey Weinstein. Even (laughs) even even Louis C.K. is back. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. 
that's the thing, right? Like all of this is temporary. America forgives and forgets. Like, don't we still all cheer for Ben Roethlisberger? I, yeah, I mean, what the half of the like that? That's one of my favorite. I will say that is something. Those like I follow the NFL begrudgingly on Facebook, and they posted like we're here for like the purple, purple ribbon or something for uh, domestic abuse awareness or something. And every comment was really because half of your players are arrested for this yearly. And you just what do you do? Slap them with a fine, and that's it. Like you're not actually doing anything to to affect this problem you're just raising awareness which raising awareness not terrible but still but raising awareness in a cloud of hypocrisy is 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 you know is, is but it sends it's, a bad it's, it's frustrating yeah and that's yeah. why people have legitimate criticisms like you said of the of the nfl and, and other organizations and i think that 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 fox news donald trump oan all of these Breitbart, all of these people know how to play on that feeling of victimhood. They know how to play on that feeling of you're not a bad person just because you voted for Donald Trump. I see it every day in my Instagram yeah. comments. You know, I, I'm literally seeing it right now, right? As we were sitting down to record this, like that people are just like, what? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to politely tell you that you are transphobic because you voted for somebody who's transphobic. So you either endorse those policies or you just thought it's not that big of a deal. And both of those things are, are challenging, but our messaging, I think as a, as Democrats needs to be a little bit better. And I don't say that to like say that we shouldn't speak up and speak out and, and be passionate and be bold. I absolutely believe that, but figure out how to have lighter conversations in the middle, figure out how to bring some of those Fox news watchers back, figure out how to engage other people in the electorate. So we don't have to worry about that. And, and again, I know I'm talking a little bit about Democrats, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this of how Democrats can help the Republican party. Democrats can help some of those people in the middle. So you don't, you and I don't spend a podcast bashing Republicans because that's not the intent. Yeah, no. And that's, that's the thing too. It's like, and like I've had this argument with a friend where she was, I said, like, at, I said something along the lines, I was very heated. I said like, Republicans are just stupid or something like that. And she goes, well, are you, then you're calling me stupid. She goes, I voted for Joe Biden, of course, but like you're call I'm, I identify as Republican. You're calling me stupid. And I'm like, well, I know you don't actually feel all of those things. Hence you voted for Joe Biden. And I know you're not racist. I know you're not sexist. I know you're not all these things, but your party aligns with that currently. And I'm excited to get back to a time where, or not back to, maybe it never existed or maybe go forward to a time. It was, it where, was, it was polite. It was more polite. It, not even, no, like I'm excited to go back to where Republicans are actually like the fiscal party party where you vote Republican because you want smaller government. You want less taxes or, or something along. Like that's why you're voting Republican. Not because, they have these radical views on uh, gay rights or uh, abortion or immigrant like, rights. Yeah. Immigrant, like these rights that like, aren't like they're, political. They're human. <laughs> like, they're human rights. They're human, they're rights. human rights. Like yeah. I don't want a party. I don't want to p- vote a party because of human rights. I want to vote a party because of political rights and political like p- policies, but to, to transition uh, away, Paul, because uh, I have to do it in this specific uh, um, template. Paul, what is your topic for this episode of Hop Topic? Yeah, um, my Hop Topic is, um, you know, the future of the Democratic Party. And we've been, it, we've been, like we've been saying, we've been talking about both of these things because, be, because 
both parties are going through this issue right now. Both parties are going through this challenge right now. Like both parties are are looking at these election results and are wondering what the fuck happened. Um, there's a lot of people in the media screaming about the fact that Trump had more, uh, you know, minority votes than any president, any Republican candidate in history. And while that is largely true based on fact, um, that there are a lot of nuances there and blanketing minorities is, is to me, part of the problem and, and part of the reason why a lot of Republicans and Democrats don't understand uh, the minority plight in America and what yeah. minorities are saying they need help with. I mean, like Trump goes on, you know, Fox News and and and, 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 and Sean Hannity and, and Tucker Carlson. The, these people yell about the fact that, like, look at Trump with Latino voters like and I know we've talked about this. I know it'll probably be belabored by the time that this podcast comes out, but it's still important to note is that Latino voters, Latinx voters are not a monolith. They are not a monolith. And, and, and if you have ever talked to somebody in the Hispanic community, that is one of the first things that they'll tell you just because if you meet a Dominican, they are probably making a joke about a Puerto Rican. And if you meet a Mexican American, they are probably making a joke about a Guatemalan or a Brazilian, like all of these people in, in, in like the Hispanic Latinx community are, 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 are diverse people with different backgrounds from different parts of the world that live in different communities all across the United States. And so with different culture too. like, that's the thing is white people, like as a white person, it's so nuts to me to hear about like these communities that have this culture about them because I don't, I feel like white people, I'm sorry, we don't have culture. Like people who are like Irish would go, yeah, my culture is getting smashed on St. Patrick's day. And that's about all you are really. Or like someone who's Italian will be like, yeah, we eat pasta every night. Like there's just like these very like mundane, uh, like culture things with white people. But we like culture is just in as a white American, it's just not the same as it is with minority groups around the world really right and 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 think about like think about that too is like we as white people have been here for a lot longer than a lot of uh minority communities with the exception of native americans uh we forced a lot of people to come here um you know uh beyond their will and and when they came here you know under um you know, uh, different circumstances and they came here more recently, like they have closer ties to their roots. I don't have ties to my Irish roots. I just make jokes that maybe I drink a lot because I'm Irish and, and maybe I drink a lot, you know, because I'm Catholic, but that's not my identity. That's a stereotype that I joke about. And, you know, again, Italians, I would say have a very strong culture because they're very connected to their roots. I feel like there there's, you know, the pasta, there's the seven fishes, there's traditions, there's lots of, you know, the big loud gatherings, right? Jersey like we, Shore. Right. <laughs> like we hear that stuff all the time. And, and so like there's, but it, the majority of like white Americans, Americans can sit in a room and and understanding each other's cultures and backgrounds maybe isn't as port important to us as it is for us to understand the the um you know Latinx or Hispanic um you know community you know and, and there's no barrier like there's no like like if I sit no. in a room with and it's like I've gone on dates with Italian girls and they go you've never had pasta before and I'm like no but we can still be friends Right, right. <laughs> we can still talk and like understand you liked pasta all right cool but like 
when I sit and I talk like, and, and it's just, it's not even like that culturist. Like I have um, a friend who, who comes from a Jamaican descent. And when she tells me like about like her house life and like, like the way that they view things and do stuff like that, I'm like, I I'm fascinated, but I'm like, I've never had this kind of um, lack of understanding or just no framework uh, around what we're talking about as I do when I talk to a, like a random white Italian or Irish, Irish guy. You're right. I, I, I kind of, as you were talking, I was like, just had this like thing in my mind. I was like, yeah, r- white people are rich in background and where we come from, but we are not rich in culture. You know, yeah. like we, we have a white culture that is oftentimes, you know, problematic. Um, you know, um, we have a, we have a culture that, you know, um, pushes incredible amounts of success and stress on people. You know, we have a culture, um, you know, that is like destructive within financial mismanagement of a lot of things. Uh, White people are often, you know, heads of companies um, that exploit workers and exploit minority workers. Like there's a lot of parts of our culture that are problematic. And and, and I don't say problematic in that typical sense of the word. It's just like literally problematic as in causes problems. Um, And, you know, to, to me, like when I think about the future of the Democratic Party, I, I think about we need to recognize that there is so much diversity in our party and be able to tell that story a lot better. And I, I think that anybody, anybody would say that, any pundit would say that, people on Twitter say that constantly. But what I, what I mean by that um, is that people brag about the Democratic Party or they, 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 they give the Democratic Party an excuse because the Democratic Party is so big, it's so expansive, it's so vast. Why, you know, is no democratic leader really saying we need to listen to the people of color not not you know that that people of color face disparities right like they say that stuff all the time but why are they not saying we need to listen to these people there are less of them but they are all telling you one thing they are yeah. all screaming at us that they need higher paying jobs they need access to healthcare. They need access to social mobility. They need access to loans so that they can buy a home or that they can open a business. And they don't get that now because of the the system that white people have have created. Largely, white mm-hmm. people have have created right. Also, international business is part of that too. But you know, um, and trade is part of that too. So when I when I think about the Democratic Party, I think that they don't do a good job telling their story about how how their how progressive they are or what their vision for America is. I know what Joe Biden's vision for America is, but that's because I live and breathe in politics every single day. The number one thing that the Biden campaign, Jennifer O'Malley Dillon or Jennifer Dillon O'Malley, I forget what her name is, Biden's campaign manager and and kind of communications person. I live and breathe Biden. Whatever his their name is, whatever their name is. I got. I wasn't sure which was the maiden name and which was the married name. So, but um, <laughs> you know, but 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 Jennifer, who works in the Biden campaign, said the number one thing that we need to overcome in this election is that. Democratic voters do not know who Joe Biden is. They know that he was vice president, but they don't know who he is and they don't know what he stands for. And those two things are are very much dangerous because everybody yeah. knows what Trump's pillars are, right? Even though he goes back and forth on all of them. It's, Even though he had no plan. 
for his next four years. No plan. Release no party agenda. Literally release the 2016 agenda. Well, his, his party agenda was keep America great. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But that is a marketing rallying point. That is a messaging yeah. rallying point. That is what the Democratic Party needs and what Joe Biden, I think, tried really hard to do and was successful because he won the White House, but was not yeah. successful because the Senate is very much still up in the air. Um, competitive, great, but it's very still much up in the air. Soul of the nation restore our soul of the nation, build back better is not the same thing as saying make America great again. That's a much stronger statement. And, you know, of course, make America great again makes us all wince, right? But when you think about when you think about what he's saying, he's saying, build the wall. He's saying, repeal Obamacare. He's saying, amplify black voices or white voices because they're being canceled you know (laughs) highlight token minorities to prove that republicans aren't assholes make america great again is the polite version of politics that was absolutely discriminatory towards people like me completely discriminatory towards people like people who are women you know completely discriminatory discriminatory towards immigrants um and and that's that's the thing that i think is funny too is like because because you say make America great again to many progressive and leftist people and like, and they'll look you dead in the face and go, uh, when was it great? Uh, because if you go back 50 years, uh, we had segregation. Uh, if you go back another 50 years from that, women couldn't vote. If you go back another 50 years from that, we had slavery. So exactly when was this sweet spot of greatness that you're looking for? And, and it's funny because it reminds me of, uh, of all things, a Louis C.K. joke where Louis C.K. said in, at one point, he was like, I have the best ticket in the world because as a white man, I can use a time machine and go back to any point in history and everything's great for me. As a woman, you can't. As a black man, you can't. As any other race, you can't. But as a white man, every period of time is great. Because it didn't matter. Nothing nothing affected you and you were the top of the, the top of the food chain, top of the world. And that's why the keep America great to me. If you really break it down to that, he's saying take America back to when it was great to be a white man in America. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, or a white housewife in America. Donald Trump regularly uses the word housewife. And I when I think about that, I mean, there's an image that goes along with that. There's nothing wrong with a woman who stays at home and raises her kids or a woman who doesn't work. There's nothing wrong with a man who does that, but I want to be that man. (laughs) Right. I I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm not, but like, you know, to, to me, that's a choice that people make, but using the term housewife has an image that is portrayed with, Oh, the beautiful suburban streets with the nice new American made cars. And you know, the housekeeper who was, black she was sort of paid you know but we didn't have to abide by minimum wage because uh it wasn't a thing and we just let her into our home to raise our children and so but there's an image that is conjured up that is safe about that there's an image that is conjured up when i didn't have to think about all these things that stress me and it's kind of like the it's i think it's the 50s is where where they're kind of going to because it's right after the world war ii so there's it's a boom in the economy it's right before the cold war and there's like nothing really crazy there. The economy's good. Don't have to really worry about anything. And it's great to be white. 
Yeah, it's exactly what it is. And and I don't say that again to attack Republicans. I, I mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I say that just put some of these context and comments in perspective. Um, black people had no voice in American politics in the 50s and 60s. They had to scream to get their voice. They had to burn cities down to get their voices. They had to get assassinated for people to realize what was happening. And just because that happened does not mean that it's any better now. It just looks different now. And so the Democratic Party, I think, needs to really find a way to tell that story, not just be, like you said, Joe, we're the good guys, you know, we're the not racist ones. We're the ones that you know believe in equality for all Americans. No, we are the ones who recognize systemic disadvantages that are faced every day by real people, the same people who propped, and that includes white people too, like the same people every single day who held our economy the fuck up during COVID-19, the essential workers, the essential workers, the essential people to our economy, we cannot live without them and we need to treat them as this term essential worker should have never existed. Like that's that term is disgusting. Like it, it, what it's saying, of course, now we're yelling and calling them heroes, um, you know, like uh, we're, we're giving them T-shirts, but we're taking away their retirement benefits because yep. the economy is crashing. We're taking away. I mean, my, my friends who are nurses are no longer getting 401k contributions like this, this like like why are they the ones suffering when they are the ones who are saving us? And and so. Democrats need to fucking find a better way to tell that story or else people are just going to become more and more divided and more and more like, well, I don't think I'm racist. I think I'm a good person. So I just, I don't know that I can go abolishing the police. I don't know that I can go with, you know, this stuff. I don't know that I can, I can say that black people deserve reparations. Like, and I, I, I don't say this to disparage the arm of the progressive party. The progressive party is absolutely where I think we need to go, but I think there need to be messengers in the middle. And I think that that is people like you and I, who are center left, who mostly probably identify as progressive. Well, okay. Like I'm, I'm saying like I use, I say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to be as progressive as humanly possible, but like I, my, I have a friend who's like, who's very out and about. He's like, I'm anarcho communist or whatever. And I'm like, all right, not quite there. (laughs) Right. And that's what I mean. I'm like, I'm like left. Like, I think I took, uh, what is that? What is that quiz online? Uh, nine axis or something. Uh, you take a quiz and it like basically just like rates, uh, where you fall on a political scale. And I think it came out that I was libertarian socialist. Or something like along those lines. Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> but it, it it broke it down as to like uh, whether how you feel about like uh, the free market or equality, which it was hilarious to me that anyone would go, oh, the market. Um, and then it came down to like global or domestic. And I was like, all right, I feel like everyone should be global. And then it, uh, there was like a couple of other ones too that were – it was just like to me all of them were just like – I can't imagine there are people that fall on the other end of this scale, but okay, sure. Um, they exist. Uh, it was like one of them was progressive uh, versus tradition or mm. progress versus tradition. And I was like, again, progress. How can you be anti-progress? I'm so progress. I'm so progress driven. My fucking car insurance is progressive. Like- right, right. But that, <laughs> but that, but think about that. It's progress versus tradition. Tradition is what made America great in in a yeah. lot of people's minds. Um, tradition 
is we stayed the course and when we heard about injustices we fought we we fought for people so you know we all were part of world war ii we should be proud right that 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 we we fought for american traditions that was fighting for progress that was fighting for progress jews and queer people were being and and queer jewish people were being murdered in germany we fought for progress right like we stood up for what's right and And what's funny too i remember i was in a college class one day and um and we were, it was, I think it was, a, it was socialism, not socialism. It was, uh, so what's the sociology 101 or sociology 105, whatever, whatever it was. Uh, and the teacher asked, he, he like drew on uh, chalk, a, tr- a pink triangle on the, on the board. And he was like, uh, can anyone tell me what this means? And, and I was the only, I, I did a little bit tooting my own horn here because I read a random cracked.com article one day that told me, that told me what that meant. I was like, yeah, me, the, the Germans uh, branded gays with a pink triangle and they kind of took it back. Uh, and that's now a symbol, like a, a, a gay symbol. And he was like, you're the first person in any class I have ever taught that has set, that has known what this is. And I was like, that's sad like that's bad that's bad that's just bad right like and, and and granted it's not it's not as prominent i think like the 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 flag is probably the more used symbol at this point i don't know i'm not the one to speak to that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean people know the rainbow flag right yeah 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 but um but like that's the thing that's interesting is like yeah like the we fought for those kinds of things. Granted, I, I don't know what the I didn't do a lot of research on World War II. All of my research is playing Call of Duty and Medal of Honor as a child. Um, so I don't know anything more than we got bombed and then we we kind of got dragged in. But like, yeah, that, that's exactly what you said. Like we we've it was progress. At the end of the day, when you fight a war, that war, especially when it's a war you didn't start, that war is gonna be for progress. That war is not gonna be. Like, yeah, no, that literally that literally was, you know, we were fighting against, you know, Hitler, who thought that tradition meant exterminating Jewish people exactly. like 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 that. We fought against that tradition. And and so I'm not at all comparing, um, you know, what the 2020 election to uh, <laughs> uh, us fighting for the, you know, um, for the lives of 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 millions of people. But I certainly believe that there's an element of truth to that. Um, I certainly believe if we have a group of people in our country who are paid less, who don't have access to the same education, who die or get sick more frequently, especially in childbirth for black women, um, if we don't address those inequalities, then, and we don't tell that story as Democrats, Democrats will continue to lose elections. And that's why I still believe to this day, I'm not as a, I'm not, I'm not mad about it, but like that Elizabeth Warren was the best candidate for the democratic party, because I don't believe that I I believe that Bernie Sanders already had too strong of a reputation to win the election, even though his policies are incredibly popular. And Elizabeth Warren has absolutely, you know, inherited those policies um, or sometimes Bernie light. Right. Yeah, exactly. She's Bernie light. Um, And I think that she had a way to storytell in a way that was approachable, in a way that was um, motivating, in a way that showed you that just this is not how it has to be. Not, you know, America is, 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 is failing everyone. 
you know, which sometimes I do get scared that that's sometimes what it sounds like Bernie is saying, even though I know, yeah. even though I know, like he's that's, so hopeful and inspiring, you know, but that's it sounds like he's saying everything's from... awful. So why would you vote for somebody who believes that everything is awful? But again, that's I, the pushback yeah. I get from every Republican. I had I had a um, uh, someone who <laughs> I made I made a lot of jokes about it, but I had a, uh, someone who I used to work with uh, comment on uh, a thing I shared on Instagram that was Bernie Sanders doing exactly what you just said, saying the United States is number one in gun violence, number one in this, number one in this, number one. And it's like all obviously bad things. And he commented, he's like, well, what has Bernie ever done for America? And I sent him like a website. There's just things that Bernie has accomplished. And he goes, you had to look it up. Like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's ridiculous, blah, blah. And like, and we got in like, we, it it was it wasn't I as literally bad as an hate the fact that people say, "Oh my god, you had to Google that." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like, tell what? me, tell me what like Lindsey Graham has done. Right, Are you exactly. kidding me? Like, I don't fuck. fuck like, yeah. you don't know. Sorry that I do research. That's what it's, I it's learned also, in like, school. It's also like honestly, honestly, fuck with off. our with Sorry. our with our thing, like it's you as someone who I think you are the most brilliant political mind that I know. Which no offense is not speaking much to you. But it's still like you're definitely up there. Like you know a lot about politics. You know the name of Joe Biden's campaign manager. Um, but like, but like you know all this stuff. I would never look at you and go, "Yeah, you definitely know uh, what J- Sarah Gideon is doing in Maine." No, right? Yeah. Like, like, no. like no one knows what senators are doing. Right. The only that's people why, who do that are the why, people that get paid every day to do that. Yeah. And that's that's why like that's why uh, Trump's campaign of Biden has worked in politics for 49 years and has and has accomplished nothing. Like, no, you just don't know what senators do. And like, when I actually read that page, I was like, I read what Bernie Sanders had done, and I was like, it's hard to say that he did anything. Like, it said he voted for X. All right, well, okay, cool. He voted for X. The thing that he did, that a lot of stuff they did though, was it said he wrote this declaration, which is huge. Like he wrote like these movements that all got shot down, but he wrote all of them. Like those are those are huge things that that a senator can do that no one knows what senators do aside from say yes or no and leave. That's like all people think senators do at this point. Right, but you're exactly right in that. Again, that's and that's what we're saying is like to to me when you look at Bernie's record. Um, you know, one of the things that Elizabeth Warren got so much shit for is she said, Bernie hasn't done anything in Washington. Bernie, people like Bernie don't get anything done. And of course, that is true. But of course, that discounts all of the messaging that he has done to bring the Democratic Party towards really popular policies. So sometimes yeah. people like AOC and sometimes people like Bernie Sanders, their goal is not to pass legislation. Their goal is to move a party towards what they believe is most beneficial towards Republican or towards all Americans, Republicans, Democrats, doesn't matter. And that's why I think it is so important to still have progressive voices, despite the fact that we need to find a way to let these moderate Republicans know that either barely voted for Joe Biden or just barely voted for Donald Trump or voted independent entirely, is that come into our fold. We are not screaming at you and telling you are racist. We are telling you that you may have voted for somebody who was, and here's why. Approach this from an educational perspective of course we can say that everybody should look everything up and that everybody should be aware and it's 2020 and everybody needs it that's not how americans are because 
Think about what Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC say. Americans are busy. Americans are tired. Americans are overworked. American have, Americans have too many worries. Americans have children they need to take care of. Americans have adults they need to take care of. Everybody is so busy. And if you have a politician who can understand how to break through in that busyness, in that noise, then the Democratic Party has a really bright future. Mm-hmm. That's exactly well, that's, that's exactly what Donald Trump did, right? He that's, he capitalized on too. this stuff. Yeah. Think about think about how many times uh you heard over the last say three years, maybe maybe closer to the election, but I just want to get back to a point where I don't have to hear about the politics or the news or the president every day. Think about how many times you heard that. One, think about who is saying that, because it's always white people. Uh, because they can, and I was this kind of person too. Like that's the thing I I said when I was, when I was uh, a Republican in in high school, early college, I was like, the only thing I like about Obama is I don't have to hear about Obama all the time. Like that was, that was my, his saving grace to me. And now like you look at this and it's like, well, yeah, because it didn't matter. Like, and I thought about it with Trump too. If Trump won, my life wouldn't change that much. I'm a white guy. I have a good job. I'm not going to worry about anything with Trump. The only thing is, is that I have a lot of friends that are going to be worried. So I worry for them. But there are people who don't have those friends. There are people that don't have those circles that don't have to worry about that. And like my mother has said that before. She said, I'm just sick and tired. Every time you come over here, something happens with Trump. Something happens with Biden. And we have to talk about it. And she goes, and it's not that I'm saying I don't want to talk to you or anything, blah, blah. But she's like, I'm just sick and tired of talking about politics. And I was like, all right, well, then vote for Biden because he, I can tell you right now, you're not going to be talking about a lot of politics when if Biden's president. If Trump is president, you're going to keep talking about politics. Um, that didn't work, but I, I really hoped. But, like, that that's the thing is, like, think about that. Like, th- that's the other, like, like, exactly what you said. Like, no one's going to know about politics, especially the majority of Americans because the majority of Americans are white. And they ha- they have that same feeling of I don't because politics don't affect them as much. It's not affecting their right to marry. It's not affecting their right to do anything really. They can do whatever the hell they want. They're not getting paid less unless they're a, a, a female. Which like white men, they don't give a shit. Like nothing nothing in policy is going to affect them. It's just that's just how it is. So they don't have to care. But that's a luxury. Yeah, well, that and what I, I want to challenge you on that a little bit. Um, oh, please do. Because to me, um, that is one of the frustrations I have found recently is that um, people are saying, look at me, I'm voting for Joe Biden. And my life might even be a little bit tougher financially if I vote for Joe Biden. Um because of taxes and because of all this stuff. Now, I don't believe that to be true, but a lot of people say I'm going to be fine because I'm a white male. What I want out of, you know, straight white men. Um, and I don't say this to, to put you on blast or criticize you at Please all. Please do. I, I no. love being put on blast. I need it. No, honestly. no, no, no. But I, I have a lot of uh, uh, like, because there, there's, there's one thing I'll say before I say this is that when I find a straight white man that I can talk to about politics and can empathize with me, I will champion that person until I am blue in the face because nobody can talk to straight white men like straight white men. And that is a really mm-hmm. important dynamic to understand because men have proven that they do not listen to women. 
men have proven that they do not listen to people who look differently than them. And and that this election proves that. And I, I know that that may sound a little bit starker than some of the things I said earlier in this podcast, but but that's because you have a bunch of people who don't look like white men or are not white men, um, you know, voting one way and white men are choosing to vote another way. Um, and, and so what I, what I, want to say by that is that um when i find a white man who can be my champion i i will champion that person to death because i recognize how different they are from the majority of people in their gender and in their race mm-hmm. um so i say that again not to not to criticize you i say that to push you because what i say to push you is you said my life would not be different if i vote for joe biden it might even be a little bit harder if I vote for Joe Biden. Think about climate change. Your life doesn't get easier yeah, with climate change. You know, think well, think but about th- but- think about Sorry. yeah. Let me let me pontificate for a moment. <laughs> but you know, like think think about climate change. Your life doesn't necessarily get easier because of climate change. You know, think about um, the news and the political cycle. If you're tired of hearing about it, um, you know, if you vote for Joe Biden, then Joe Biden doesn't pass the Equality Act you will listen to me scream forever for you to tech, talk to your white friends. And I'll talk to the, my white friends too, right? Um, you know, and and again, like when we think about the investment in clean jobs, your life will be better with Joe Biden. And again, I don't say that to, to say you're wrong. I say that to, here's another perspective because I do have a lot of friends who have been saying, a lot of white male friends or white, white friends who, are, who identify as men who have been saying, you know, my life will be fine. And I'm like, but it, your kids won't. You know, like, yeah. and so I, I, I just want us to recognize that. And I think that that's part of the messaging problem because they'll look at you, Joe, Republicans, conservatives will look at you, Joe, and say, oh, you're such a simp. You're such a cuck. You're such a softie. You're so butthurt. Look, you got played by the media. I'm looking at you and saying, no, you didn't. You know, you are recognizing the disastrous effects, economic, environmental Equality wise, and you know that that's not an America that you feel is good for you to live in because that's not good for your mental health. That's not good for your life because your life is connected to everybody else's life. And yeah. and again, I, I say that I don't want that to sound radical. I just it's my kind of reflection only after the past few days of this election because I, I have said the same thing, right? Like I've said the same thing. Like I'm a white man who has a good job. My life probably won't get all that much harder unless some of these laws pass in the Supreme Court. But you know that's really not true. If we believe what we believe, if we believe in climate change, if we believe in in social injustice, our life doesn't get easier um, with that. So, again, just another perspective. No, uh, I I like that. Like, I mean, that's the thing is, like, that's what I like about a lot of the conversations I've had uh, specifically with you. And, like, I'm glad, like, I've said it before, like college has been like one of the, the the most valuable things for me despite the debt that I've incurred um not even from my degree because I like like you know I have a psychology degree with a creative writing minor and uh, I work in marketing uh, and have I have never worked in a psychological field in my life you barely work so in mar- college you barely work in marketing you work in supply chain yeah, yeah like, and I've and it's so funny too like I've worked in supply chain now this is going on my third year. Uh, so like, yeah, it's, it's nothing related to my college, but my college was so valuable because I came out of high school, stark Republican, anti-gay, anti, like all of these things, um, anti-weed, anti-drugs, anti, like just, just 
the most conservative Christian human being in the world, talking to my friends about the paper she's writing on why abortion is wrong, things like all of that. And then I went to college and like one of my best friends was a black gay man. And he, and he would, he would, uh, who's on this podcast all the time. His name is Andrew. Uh, Hi, and Andrew. he would just, <laughs> he would tell me all the time. He's like, I am a minority within a minority. And he would just like, tell me about like things that he experienced. And I'm like, I love you though. Like you're, you're amazing. Like you shouldn't have to deal with it. And like, it just changed my perspective on so many things, as you can tell now by being as, as progressive as I, I aim to be like, it's college. I think was just like that thing that like triggered in me that, that made me realize like there's, there's so much more out there than just myself and, and things that I believe. Like there are people, it introduced me to people that like, change the way I think about things and like and it's gotten to the point like I, I made this joke and I think I told you this joke the other day I had a Halloween gathering uh, uh, a respectful COVID gathering the other day and uh and I looked around the room and I was like I'm the only white guy in this room and I invited all of these people to my to my house I was like go me like look at me I'm so diverse and all this stuff and they started relentlessly mocking me for stuff yeah like- <laughs> ab- about specifically that and I was like so they were like, yeah, how's it feel to be a minority? And I was like, it's weird. Because like, I was like, I told him, like, I went to a high school where like there were three, like, there were three black guys. And mm-hmm. we knew all of them. That was it. And they're sitting there. They're like, like uh, our ancestors created the industry that wove the clothes that you're wearing on your back. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty <laughs> wild, right? Like, it, it's, it's so, not, but like, I think about it. Like, and I think about when I was in high school, like, I didn't have that diverse friend group. I didn't. I didn't think about things like that. I never when I when I thought about why Bush was good or why Romney was better than Obama, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't think about the plight of like these other minorities and stuff like that. I just thought about like, well, they're not me. I remember thinking like, why does why does Tyler Perry keep making like all black cast movies? Like, I don't understand. Like, and, I like, don't watch and that. I, still, I don't watch that. That's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, like, and I, I kept thinking about that, and it wasn't even until moderately recently, within like the last four years, that I realized like, so I, I something clicked on the internet where someone was like, "It is so cool to see a movie or something where like like a Disney princess, maybe it was Tiana or Princess and the Frog or whatever, was like, I can relate to that." And I was like, "What do you mean? You can relate to every everything? Like, what what are you talking about?" And I was like, "Well, no." I'm not a white man or a white woman who stars in every single movie ever. You can turn around and find yourself in anything. Every protagonist in a video game, every protagonist in a movie you can relate to. And even uh, me, and even me as a queer person, I, I mean, like, no, are we as visible as you guys? But certainly as a white queer person, as a white gay man, I, I'm everywhere. You know, I'm palatable. Yeah. I'm I'm the yeah. sassy sidekick that you never knew you needed, but then you realized you couldn't live without, even though he tried you're, to fuck you're the, your husband. The person that comes up to the girl in the movie and goes, "Girl, you can pull off those fuse or something like that." Ex- exactly. I was like, "You look good, honey," and then you have like the gay black friend who is also tokenized. You know, like yeah. we in some of these ways we are very visible. Um, that's why it's it is so important to to find ways, and I I think that that goes back to like exactly what we've been talking about is like these party identities right what are we going to celebrate who are we going to champion who are we going to speak with and speak for and amplify um you know when appropriate speak for you know as we amplify um like because those those things are just you know my life won't change but you know what 
I don't want to live in a world where that's not right, where that's not fair. I don't want to live, you know, in a world where people are treated like that and scared to walk down the street. And part of that is the politics of fear mongering, right? Because I do still believe there are, I mean, I I don't still believe, I have always believed that there are a lot of really good Republicans out there who, who don't, who just like their view of government is government stay out of our lives, um, you know? And so, I think the future of the Republican Party, the future of the Democratic Party, both of these things very much depend on the the one, the polling information, because because yeah. because we will always follow polls, even though they always appear to be wrong. It doesn't even appear that that covid was a massive deciding issue for a lot of voters. Um maybe a moral one, but not a political one or something like that. It doesn't necessarily appear that, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests this summer moved the needle. It doesn't necessarily appear that, um, you know, uh, the um, uh, child separation, you know, policy necessarily motivated a lot of people. It seems like the reason we won is because we had a lot of minority communities say enough we are going to show up to the polls even though you don't want us to and um we did not adopt and share our progressive policies widely and we didn't adopt or acknowledge the fact that even in our climate change plan we still want to give full pensions to coal workers all of these things are in these plans Yet we did not deliver them. And I think that's why Democrats lost the Senate and why Republicans can celebrate. And, or Democrats have not lost the Senate, but de- it doesn't look good. Um, yeah. And until, until January, we'll see, right? But we rely on Stacey Abrams. We, al- we rely on a, a black woman to turn out voter registration in Georgia. We are relying on white women in the suburbs and Latino voters in Philadelphia to swing Pennsylvania in a way that they have never swung Pennsylvania. Like, uh, we'll get more data on all of this as as the, the the final votes are counted and everybody does analysis and we'll understand what happened. But you know we have to figure out how to champion those voices, not just say that we support them, but make it really clear and really obvious that we all need to do a better job of telling our story and we really need to do a better job of telling that story to republicans so they know that we're not trying to say if you're not with me fuck you we're saying if you're not with me here's how to think like i think and why right challenge those ideals oh okay i have two but we're getting close to the end but i have two quick maybe quick uh I know how we talk, so I don't know how quick it's going to be. But I have two quick <laughs> a things. A lot of that thoughts on this stuff. So. Um, so number one was uh, I read an article uh, or maybe just saw a tweet. I don't know. It was something about the Senate and the Democrats being disappointed in the turnout and the, the, the way that the Senate races went. And one of the things they said was um, the tweet mentioned that there was like chatter amongst uh, Senate d- Democrats saying – we are ne- we are never saying the word socialist again or socialism again like they made it as like a taboo thing because they thought that that was the thing that that scared too many people from voting for our democratic senate uh that that was the buzzword and you saw trump lean on that word all the time uh and and that's like a, a big scare word in america at this point um, so do you think that that was a big 
reason? Do you think that the the Senate acknowledging that or the like Senate Democrats acknowledging that and going and talking that going forward with further races to like downplay that? Do you think that was a big factor? Do you think that's something that they should acknowledge or address or? I, I mean, I hope that wasn't the deciding factor. You know, the first thing that I would look towards is, yeah, the first thing that I would look towards is what did the polls say the whole time? The polls never swung. The polls never moved. The polls never told us. I mean, there were certain, there was fluctuation in the Senate races, sure. But the polls never told us that the socialism message was working. Again, the polls are unreliable. So I really don't think we know until we do comprehensive research on this stuff. I mean, the approval rate for Donald Trump on the coronavirus was like, 30 to 40% depending on, you know, which poll you looked at, but he didn't lose by that much, you know? Um, And so (laughs) that clearly was not a deciding issue. So what was it? I don't think we know enough yet. I think the challenge that I would say is that if that's our strategy, I think, I think if if that's the democratic strategy, I think that they're kind of stupid for, for doing that. Again, I don't, I don't know all this stuff. This is just my hot take, you know, based on that. I didn't read the article, but, but think about it, right? Like, like, like you said at the beginning, look at the marijuana laws, look at the Florida laws, you know, look at like the, the like equal pay, look at the support for a lot of these policies, look at the public belief in climate change. If these polls and this research is to be believed, and I have to believe a lot of it is, you know, to me, it says Democrats, didn't necessarily tell a number one Democrats followed polls that were incorrectly calculated. So the money followed polls that was incorrectly calculated. So all of our money followed these races. We never had a chance of winning. That is a huge mistake. And we need to figure out what the fuck happened there. Um, To me, we were screaming about Teresa Greenfield. We were screaming about Jamie Harrison and we were screaming about Sarah Gideon in Maine. And um, in addition to a couple other candidates, um, you know, why were we not focused on some of these more competitive races? Gary Peters in Michigan barely won, barely won. Biden barely won. Um, You know, Teresa Greenfield got slaughtered by Joni Ernst, a person who I believe is one of the worst senators in the history of our country. Uh, Same thing with Susan Collins in Maine, because they don't even have the stomach to take a position on issues. Um, But then you look at Martha McSally and what happened with Mark Kelly. He destroyed her. So what is going on in these markets? Like, what were the policies that we were saying that were going on in these markets? I think that sometimes we get so hung up on what the like policies maybe were the way that they embraced democratic socialism or didn't embrace it or embrace progressive policies like a $15 minimum wage. The way that we message those policies is just so important. Like if you think if, and it's exasperating, I literally am getting tired talking about this, but like (laughs) if you, if you think about what we were doing, why were we not making sure the Gary Peters race was locked up? Why didn't we spend more money on an exciting candidate like Al Gross? I think that American voters are motivated by candidates and 
that does not necessarily mean they're motivated by money. You know, yeah, they're, they're not, not at all. You know, there has to, I mean, the, the Republican ads, in my opinion, were horrible in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, well, that's the thing I, I mentioned the other day when we were talking, like if you go on Politico, which is where I've been following the election entirely, they have a, a thing on the Senate and they show you the fundraising and Democrats outrose Republicans by so much money like the top three races jamie harrison like um sarah gideon and uh uh, uh grath or mcgrath all out oh, i don't even i don't even i don't even fucking talk about her because yeah. amy mcgrath to me that was a wasted candidate and the polls even told us that and we yeah. knew we were wasting money we should have done something different there was a progressive running against her we should have got behind that progressive and just tried it out because it was going to be a million anyway. dollars each by forty million dollars, they outrose their their competitor their uh, competitors, yeah. and and that's that's just disappointing. So disappointing. Um, but my my next question and my last question before yeah. we sorry up sorry here. I just I feel so strongly about the Senate. I I I, I no I I, I honestly that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like the presidency is is put behind me, and it's yeah it's the Senate is the thing that I'm really People... worried about because it, 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 we're going to be useless in the next two years if we don't get it. Right. I did see a really funny headline that was. <laughs> It was Biden McConnell, the next power couple. Uh, I think <laughs> that I saw was that really too. funny. Yeah, um, it just again, it's like it's like when you think about who is the person that is running and what do they stand for. If be, yeah. just because they have a ton of money doesn't mean their policies resonate with their voters. I mean, it it just it, it terrifies me that that that's we did. I'm, that. So that's what I'm yeah. wondering is, do you think? So like we we've already mentioned that both candidates, Republican and Democrat, ran on policies that were more or less vote me not him there was no like uh biden had a little bit about health care biden had a little bit about racism and all that stuff but not nothing like that crazy do you think that democrats will look at the policies that passed the 15 dollars minimum wage the the marijuana legalization oregon's uh decriminalization of drugs do you think those are policies now that a candidate in 2024 should really look towards and really try to build a, a, a platform around as a way to win? I hope you- so. I mean, if Joe Biden embraced marijuana in this election, who would have cared? Fox News would have been yelling about it, right? Pumping oh, yeah. drugs in our community. But the majority of Americans, I think, would have been like, well, all right. You know, we drink a yeah. lot. We can smoke a little bit of weed. I really do believe that on issues like that. Um, so I, I think that it's particularly frustrating because if it's no, look at him. I, I mean, uh, there's there's two ways that I can answer that question. One, yes, I do believe that <laughs> that that the progressive policies, if the research is to believed, are popular. If you ask any American, do you believe the minimum wage should be raised to $15 an hour because people aren't getting compensated fairly, especially during a pandemic? Yeah, 80% of Americans will probably say yes, maybe, you know, 75, maybe 70. Like, right, like, that's what happened in Florida, 65, 68% or whatever. So you put those things on the ballot, and then you get a pulse sense of like how voters actually care about it. Yes. You know, so I think that 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 part, yeah. But the other thing, is that clearly there are certain strategies, certain things that that we that we do that don't resonate. Tom Tillis, the senator in North Carolina, is the author of the transgender bathroom bill. He yeah. is the person who who started this national conversation about who can go in what bathroom and added way more rhetoric than already existed of if transgender people 
we're we're likely to be pedophiles. He started that conversation and he is about to get reelected. There is something going on with the way that Democrats talk about their policies, share policies, corral voters, whether it's fear of cancel culture, whether it's lack of understanding of queer issues, lack of understanding of black, there's some information gap. I think part of that is obviously Fox News. If a lot of people watch Fox News, it's really easy to believe, government, get out of my bathroom, right? Of course, nobody wants the government in their bathroom, right? Like, but, <laughs> but if you don't tell the other side of that story is that there are people who are actively being attacked in bathrooms because of their gender yeah. identity and then told they can't go in there. I mean, like, you have to flip the story. You have to tell the story, not just this guy's awful. He's transphobic. It's no. Yeah, of course he's transphobic. We all know that. But here's why. Can we talk about why? Yeah. Like we just we just we yell and we put a label on transphobia without talking about the problems that transphobia creates and the transgender experience. So that's just one example. I think you could take it in both ways, adopt more progressive policies and be bold about them or or really do a better job of saying why somebody else is is wrong. Not just throwing yeah. a label on it, and and that's the thing too is like is educating. Like that is the the number one thing because like there there's there's a lot of 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 blowback I think you're gonna get from a lot of those things. But like I've had experiences specifically my mom as a a a, a Trump voter but not Trump supporter I would call her, uh, where she would have experiences with Democrats who would call who would just vilify her and just mock her and just be generally very rude to her about the fact that she was voting for Trump. And it didn't do anything to try to educate her into why that was wrong, into why her beliefs needed to change, didn't educate her on anything. And every time I went to talk to her about stuff like that, I would always try to be, well, why do you think that? What What is it about that that makes you think that? What is it about Trump that makes you think this? And some people can't you just can't reach some people they'll just whatever you say they'll they'll just bat down but shouldn't you try shouldn't you you give them the option to to open up and like give you reasons and go well if you think that well here's what here's another viewpoint or here's another thing that might disprove this thing that you thought oh well you don't believe that source okay well here's another source or or like trying to like try to just like level them because at the end of the day you're if you alienate people, that's where I think Trump's base came from. Is it came from attacks, calling people racist, being ve- like, uh, being like angry about them and screaming at them. Where instead of like, if you just tried to like, a- as bad as it is coming from that side, empathize with them. Like their empathy goes both ways. You got to understand. All right, look, like for me, like I can't blame anyone for voting Trump twenty sixteen. I can't blame one you being tricked or conned. Because you that's his were. brand. That's his brand. Yeah, I can't blame that. I can't blame if you say I can't vote for Hillary. I, I can say right, you. Cool. I can say you might be ignorant, but I. I, I could say that. Yeah, you know. I could definitely say you just don't know anything, and that's fine. But mm-hmm. and and I can't blame you for that. I can I can definitely blame you for voting in twenty twenty. But that's a different story. But like, yeah, no, that's exactly like what I'm saying. Like you, I think I I saw this with another friend. Someone posted one of those. No matter who's president, we should all be better and nicer to each other. And I had another friend comment and say, like, like a very, pa- I'll say passive aggressive, uh, response to it, and, and it led to an argument. And I was like, well, I get that you, I get that you're frustrated with this person for for writing something that you consider tone deaf, which it it could have been. But instead of attacking her and making her double down and get on the defense, why not try to like, hey, 
here are some other things you might not have thought about when writing this post. Here are some interesting things you might think. Why do you think this thing? Why did you write this post? Like, what are your motives so I can understand them and then maybe talk to you and open a narrative that you could understand better and that might change your opinion or open you up a little bit in a different light. Right. I think you're I think what you're saying is exactly right. It's adopting progressive policies that are popular with Americans and also being able to have those conversations without alienation. Um, you know, and I, I think what I would, you know, challenge the people listening to us and what I'll challenge us to do the same thing is recognize that the anger and the frustration and the pure hatred of Donald Trump that comes from minority communities is absolutely justified. You know, acknowledge, acknowledge that, right? But figure out how to talk to your white friends and family about it because they are in pain. They are hurting. They feel let down by our system. That's, that's women, you know, that's transgender people. That's, that's people in the queer community like me, you know, but I I recognize my privilege in this, in this scenario is that I, I still can try to, in a, in a sense, play the middle and bring people to our side because I can talk about these issues, but you know, we can do all of those things. We can, we can adopt progressive policies. We can, you know, support the people who feel absolutely alienated and let down by the system because it's true, they are. But then we can also talk to those people in the middle. That's our role as the majority, as the white people in the middle to to bridge that gap and bridge that divide. I think that that is not necessarily, not, not only is that the future of the Democratic Party, I think that has to be the future of multiple parties. That has to be yeah. the future of consolidating consolidating some support among Republicans for Democratic candidates. You know, like to me, that is hugely important. All three of those things have to happen at the same time, which is why it's really difficult because we want to look at our friends who are hurting in our community and say, your pain is valid. We want to look at the Republicans in our community and say, I understand you've never stood in their shoes. And then we want to look at ourselves and be like, how the fuck do I get these people to talk to each other? How the fuck yeah. do I get my candidates to talk to each other? The mainstream media doesn't help with that. Podcasts help with that. Articles help with that. Reading helps with that. You know, Instagram helps with that. Like, um, you know, Twitter, I don't think necessarily helps with that. Like, but there are things, and and some people might disagree with me on Instagram. I guess it's it's the environment I live on Instagram, right? Like, there, there, I see a lot of things in the middle, um, even though. Some people are like, I love this progressive guy. It's Paul Warren. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I, I feel like people also tell me that I'm I'm literally a Republican like every day. But so, you know, like, but to to me, to me, it's like like I I but right, we have to be the bridge. We have to be that guide. We have to be that person that that can speak to both of those audiences and say, Your pain is valid, your confusion is valid. Can I clear this up? You know, like yeah. can I clear this up? That's that's how I feel. Um we have to be the Christopher Wallace's. Of, of oh my the, uh, god of the centrist party uh all right well we are running really long on a very very fun in my opinion political episode uh i'd like to thank everyone for staying by listening paul do you have anything you would like to plug uh for our listeners uh where can they find you to hear more of your political 
Uh, I almost said ramblings, but I will respect you a little bit more than that. No, it, uh, it's true. <laughs> insights. It's, I'll it's say true. insights. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it's insights, um, you know, but I like what, what people have always told me is that I do have a, a gift to bring people along for the ride. I do have a gift uh, to be inclusive, despite what my close family members may believe. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you if you are interested in um, uh, learning more and hearing from this voice of chaos anxiety and depression um i you can follow me at it's paul warren on instagram um, or you can listen to my own podcast it's called let's unpack that and the entire theme is we talk about politics through a queer perspective that is grounded in anxiety and depression so really fun topics (laughs) um but uh you know this was this was a really fun podcast. So uh, let me close out by, by saying that um, I don't care if people follow me or not. I had a great time doing this. Um, and I think that, um, you know, these are the conversations that we're going to be having now for the next four years under a Biden administration. Um, we're still going to be screaming up Mitch McConnell. Of course, we're still going to be calling people awful, I, but you know, I hope to still be screaming about Biden at the end of the day, like Biden can say whatever the fuck he wants. I still need to hold him accountable for the shit that he does. I, I, I hope we have the opportunity to hold him accountable. Uh, I, I think one of the things that was telling, I was thinking about posting this the other day is Biden, uh, 49% of voters said they prefer neither candidate. And I think that's huge. Like, and, six, and that was and a majority. And 60% of Americans want to end the electoral college. What are we doing? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I think Paul might promote this on his channel. So if you don't know me, my name is Joe. Uh, you can find me on this podcast. This is our, like I said, our 46th present. I mean, 46th episode. Um, and uh, you can also find me. I host a second podcast. If you are... Uh, hopefully a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, I host a Taylor Swift fan podcast called We Need to Calm Down. Uh, you can find anywhere that you listen to podcasts, as well as you can find this podcast, Hop Topic, anywhere as well. Uh, thank you so much, Paul, for joining me. I don't give a shit if anyone liked this or not. I'm probably going to have you back. I might have you back for a more silly episode uh, where we talk about not so serious this things. Is, this is the extent of my humor, is talking about politics. <laughs> <laughs> so that, this is all you're getting. You know? That's not true, because you you really love to mock me relentlessly That's true. all the time. That's true. Uh, so we can get an episode of you just like throwing shade at me for an hour and a half. Yeah, doesn't sound like, like that's something I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i know you i know you moderately well um thank you guys for listening again uh we will see you next saturday uh but thank you guys for listening to this episode of hop topic this was great thanks joe thanks everyone Bye.